together and turn to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter number 3, not a book of the Bible that is often turned to, I would say so in my Bible, just the same. Uh, but I've been thinking on these verses and actually shared them with some, uh, some this week, and uh, they've just kind of stuck. And I, as I mentioned earlier, I, uh, you know, sometimes um, uh, in life we go through uh, times that are just uh, a little more discouraging, that we don't have answers to, and uh, we, we just need some encouragement. And these verses found in the midst of Lamentations, a, a, a book not often turned to, but yet containing so much truth, uh, are, give us that encouragement. Notice uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and uh, verse number 18. The Word of God says, And I said, My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord, remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance, and is humbled in me. Notice verse 21 and continuing. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Let's pray. Our heavenly gracious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the very fact that you have uh, sent your only begotten Son to pay the debt that uh, would be owed as a result of our sins. And Lord, we, as we've sung this morning, how great you are. And what a wonderful name uh, that you have that we can say that, and that we can dwell upon. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us on the cross and made possible that way of salvation and, and that uh, promised home in eternity. Uh, Lord, we do look forward to that day. What a day it will be when we come together with you, hand in hand, uh, singing praises uh, to you for all that you've done for us. Our Father, we ask this morning that you would meet together with us, that your Holy Spirit uh, would fill me, would use me, and that all that is said and done today would be straight from your word and nothing more. Uh, that it would bring glory to your holy name. And so Lord, we ask for your blessing now. Speak to us, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to bring your attention to a couple words that are used in more than one occasion here in this passage of Lamentations. The word of God says in verse 21, I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. He speaks of a hope which he now has, but just prior to that, in verse 18, he spoke of a hope which he felt he had lost. In verse 18, and I said, my strength and my hope is perished. I'm entitled the message this morning, when all seems hopeless. When all seems hopeless. You ever face a time in, life, uh, a time in your life when all just seems hopeless? <laughs> Things just seem like, what is the point? Why is this even worth the time? Why do I even pray? Why do I even try? What's the point in even trusting? Why don't I, I don't ever seem to know the answers. Why is this so difficult? Why is life so frustrating? And, and life in itself just seems hopeless. You ever feel that way? There are times in my life, even as a pastor, that sometimes I just feel like this is hopeless. This week, uh, we've switched over our internet, and uh, it's been a, a hopeless cause, it seemed. 
And I've been telling myself continually, I mean, I kid you not, every single day it's been something on trying to figure it out. Because trying to get everything switched over. It's not so much the company as much as getting all the technology on the same page. And uh, I only know enough to get myself in trouble. And so I'm calling them all the time and they're telling me this is the problem. I say, no, this isn't the problem and this is the problem. And by the, by the end of this week, yesterday I was still dealing with it and I said, this is hopeless. Well, thankfully, we, we got it going, amen? And uh, if it wasn't going, we wouldn't be having what we have going on on the screen and that sort of thing today. But uh, uh, there are times in life, even in the small things, where we just, we kind of give up to it. We say, where is the hope in this? And, and yet, we find of Jeremiah, we know him as the weeping prophet, going through no small thing, but rather he and the children of Israel are going through the very judgment of God. Here the children of Israel have committed sins in the eyes of God. And the entire book of Lamentations are the lamentings of Jeremiah. He's lamenting and speaking really in place of the, the, the children of Israel are really in many ways personified through Jeremiah himself. And he's uh, uh, ex exerting all of the, the frustration and the woes and the discouragement that's being brought as a cause of this. And he's just kind of mulling over these things. We come into the middle of the book in chapter 3 where he finds himself uh, in an even more encouraging conclusion of his life. He began in verse 18 saying, all hope is gone. The hope in my own strength is gone. And could I say to you, it doesn't matter what it is that you face in life or what someone you know and love is facing in life, uh, that, that life in itself is hopeless without God. Life in itself is hopeless without God. Amen? If it wasn't for God, there would be no purpose in life. There would be nothing to grasp onto. There would be no, uh, no uh, assurance in anything. But it is God who gives us that hope. Aren't you thankful that we have hope in Jesus Christ? Amen? That this is not a hope like we might define in our English language today, like I think it might happen, or I, I, I want it to happen, uh, or I believe it may happen. No, this is an assurance. This is a promise, the Bible tells us. That this is something we can stand on. A promise that we can live upon. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. The Bible tells us that in every situation of life, it doesn't matter what it is, what anything or anyone, whatever it is that we're going through, that all things ultimately are hopeless as a result of sin. But there is hope that is found in Christ. Amen? There is hope that is found in Christ. It is Jeremiah who says in verse 21, This I recall to my mind. I've taken the time now to stop wallowing and mulling over everything that's happening and actually considering now the truth. And it's the following verses from verse 22 into verse 26 that he speaks concerning the hope which is found in God. We think about hopelessness. The very feeling or idea of, 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 of us coming to the point where we feel that something is hopeless is simply the result of sin. I say that because if you remember back uh, what, from what the Word of God tells us in the beginning, when the Garden of Eden, before the Garden of Eden itself was even created, and God created all things, they were specifically created perfect. They were flawless. There was nothing wrong. There, there was no burdens which would be carried by mankind. There was no tears to be shed. There was no fears to be had. Because everything was perfect. It was flawless. But when sin came into this world, the Bible tells us it has so corrupted everything that even the feelings, the emotions, uh, and the thoughts, and, and the experiences, the circumstances of life, everything that we face is as a result of our sin. 
what the, re what the complaint should be is not that I don't have any hope. It's why have I committed the sin before God? The, the, the truth of the matter is, it, and it's not to discourage us this morning, but it's to remind us that tears and death and sorrows and burdens and all the things which we carry in life, the circumstances of life, are simply a result of sin. And it's not that we look at it and say, Oh no, look at all the sin! What am I going to do? But we rest. Instead, we rest on the hope of Christ. Amen? We rest on the hope that is found in God. We must recall to our minds, and it's this morning, that is, that, that is my goal this morning, that, that we would recall, that we would remember, that we would draw back to our minds who and all that God is and the purpose that God has behind it all. What was it that came to Jeremiah's mind? We find first the person of God comes to his mind. We find that there is hope in the person of God. Keep your finger in Lamentations. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. The words which Jeremiah uses concerning the hope is also used by Peter just the same. In 1 Peter 1 in verse 3, he speaks concerning God. But notice how he describes uh, this hope uh, which is found in God. Blessed, verse 3 through verse 5, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. That's an interesting phrase, worthy of marking. Not just hope, but a lively hope. How so? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus Christ died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. What else happened as a result of this death? The Bible says, to an inheritance, that's speaking to the Christian, we share an inheritance of the glory of God. What is it also? It's incorruptible. It's something which cannot be ruined. The Bible continues, and undefiled. It cannot be stained. And that fadeth not away. It will never grow old. Reserved for you in heaven, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, a lively hope is, uh, is speaking of a life uh, that is, um, uh, it's speaking of, uh, of the life which Jesus Christ uh, gave upon this earth. That lively hope. The hope which we can also have and which we can live with. That assurance of knowing that God has given us hope. In Lamentations, the word hope that is used literally is speaking of a strength that is found. You've given me the strength each day because if, if it wasn't for your strength each day, I would be overwhelmed as a result of all these sorrows that I'm facing. The hope that is found in Christ is a lively hope. Aren't you thankful that you can live on the hope of Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen. The Bible tells us back in Lamentations in verse number 22 of chapter 3, the Word of God says it is, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. We find of the person of God, number one, that God is merciful. The mercies of God. God is merciful. What are these mercies? It is mercy that of God's choice to withhold from giving us what we rightfully deserve. And it's Jeremiah who's ex he's exhorting on this very fact that what the children of Israel deserve as a result of their sin is to be wiped out. We, we don't even deserve to exist on this earth. 
But he says it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. I say to you today, Christian, that it's only of the Lord's mercies that we are still alive today. Amen? It's only of the Lord's mercies that we can live and breathe and function and do what we are doing today. That's the mercy of God. And praise the Lord for His mercies. Amen? Amen. When it comes to a hopeless time in life, we must look to the very person of God and the mercy of God, which is uh, God's choice to withhold what we rightfully deserve. The point is this. You think that that thing in your life seems so hopeless. But the hopelessness and the feeling of hopelessness is only a result of sin. The lively hope, the mercy, the true hope that can be found is found in God himself. Rest assured on the mercies of God. Because that's all we need. Amen? If God withheld his mercies, we'd be in trouble. Because we'd get exactly what we deserve. But it's only by God's mercies that we are even where we are at in life. That that loved person is even where they are at in life. That that situation, that circumstance in life is even the way that it is now. You see, well, it doesn't seem like there's any hope, but there is hope that is found in God. It is a lively hope. The mercies. And all this, Jeremiah is really drawing to a spirit of thankfulness. God, thank you for your mercies. There's so much that I could complain about. But truthfully, the complaint should be about my sin. Thank you for your mercies. God is merciful, we find, in his person. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Psalm 106 and verse number 1, the word of God says, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy, what? Endureth forever. It's never ending. It doesn't ever fade away. And 1 Peter 1 and verse 3, we already read it, but the Word of God says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy. The, the Bible goes as far to describe the amount of this mercy. It's abundant. It's not just simply mercy. <laughs> it's abundant. Amen? Aren't you thankful for the abundant mercy of God? The Bible tells us that not only is God merciful, but God is compassionate. In verse 22, the Bible says, it's only by God's mercies that we're not consumed, but he ends the verse by saying, His compassions fail not. The compassion of God is found in His love. John 3.16, For God so loved the world. The whole world. God does not love some of us more than the other. God does not love the Christians more than the non-Christians. God does not love the, the, the not-so-sinful uh, more than the very sinful. <laughs> The truth is we all have sin. God loves the whole world. And he loved us so much that he died on the cross for us. You know, God, uh, God's word goes as far to describe the compassion of God as defining the very person of God as love. God is love. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. Hey, you, you, you feel that you're in a time of hopelessness in life? Something seems hopeless? Something's disappointing, something's discouraging, that circumstance of life seems to have no answers. I say to you this morning, there's hope that is found in Christ through His mercy and through His love and compassion. Amen? But the Word of God doesn't stop there. Verse 23. That love, that mercy, is described yet further. Verse 23. God is faithful. They are new, the Bible tells us. This mercy and love is new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. 
the, the hymn may come to mind, Great is thy faithfulness. Because the truth is, God is faithful. Amen? God is faithful. Oh, how much that we truthfully deserve, yet God chooses to withhold from giving us. Oh, how much worse life should be as a result of our sin, and could be as a result of our sin. But praise God for His mercy and love and His faithfulness. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never received Jesus Christ into your life, you've never given your life to God, you don't know that you're a child of God, you've never simply given your life to Christ, the Bible tells us that God is faithful to such an extent that He's given all mankind a second chance in the midst of sin. God's given us a second chance. That's a faithful God. Amen? Amen. That's a faithful God. God is faithful to you. He extends an invitation of salvation to you to receive Him. You may feel that all of life seems to have a purposelessness to it. That some things in life simply are hopeless. That maybe Christianity and, and church and God and all these things just really don't seem to, to give any source of hope. Because the truth is, in all of these things, the only thing that can, the, the only place that hope can truly be found is in God himself. It's possible one could be a part of a church and not come to a knowledge of God. Unfortunately, there are churches that are that way. It's possible that someone can even read the word of God and not, uh, uh, and, and not come to that conclusion of hope. Because when in our mind we've concluded that there is no hope and we can't recall in our mind, we can't draw in our mind the very person of God and the very uh, idea of his existence and his person, of the truth that can be found within it, if we've removed all of that thinking from our mind, we are hopeless. We have removed all hope. May it not be said of us that as those that are found in Romans chapter 1, God gave some up to a reprobate mind. That some were so given to sin that God said, well, there's nothing more I can do for you. Unless you turn your life back to me, there's, there's no hope for blessings to be found in your life. The Bible tells us that God is merciful, God is compassionate, that God is faithful. In Psalm 106 and verse 1, Praise ye the Lord, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So we find that Jeremiah comes to, uh, what brings this hope to Jeremiah's mind, well first, it's the person of God. Secondly, his pursuit of God. His pursuit of God. Notice verse 24 of Lamentations 3, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore... Will I hope in him? This is really a reference to the Psalms of what he's quoting here. But we gain a picture of the very person of God causing Jeremiah to now in turn seek God for strength. Notice verse 25. The Lord is good and unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. Could I just stop on that, that phrase where the Bible says the Lord is good. You know, God is so good that when the promise is given to us in Hebrews 13 and verse 8, He is the same yesterday, today, and for how long? You tell me. Forever. God never changes. You know the worst thing about circumstances of life is they're constantly changing. And sometimes they come to an end. And sometimes they only get worse. But I say to you this morning, the lively hope which is found in God, it doesn't change. Amen? God's, God is the same yesterday and today and forever. 
the Bible tells us the pursuit of God is just this. Verse 25, when he says, the soul that seeketh him. What is he describing of that soul that seeking him? As we seek the Lord, how are we to seek him? The Bible tells us, number one, seek God in patience. Seek God in patience. We just read it, verse 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. What Jeremiah wants to say is, hey, take away the judgment. <laughs> I'm miserable, can't you see? Can't you see all the people, the whole, all the children of Israel, were miserable? That's what he wants to say. In fact, that's what he had begun to say. But now he's concluded that, hey, all this judgment is simply as a result of my sin. And what I truly need to do is draw my eyes upon God and his person and who he is. And now I need to seek the Lord. But in my seeking, I have to wait. And what am I waiting for? We are to wait for God's timing and his perfect will his work to be done when he sees fit. That hopeless situation of life that you would love to see an end to in this way rather than in this way, that hopeless situation where you say, I can't even see the end to this, I'm just faced with a question mark, I don't know. The Bible tells us in our viewing of the person of God and then yet in our pursuit of God, we must be God has a perfect will. He has a purpose in all these things. If you're looking for a black and white answer, the, the, the answer simply is this. Have faith in God. As God has been faithful to us, so we must be faithful to Him. Trust in Him. Keep serving Him. Keep obeying Him. Stay doing what we know is right. Seek God in patience, but not just in patience. Seek God in silence. Now this can be harder to do than the patient part. Verse 26, it is good that a man should both hope, there's the hope, and quietly wait. This is where we say, oh man, he just said wait. That, that was the one part I'm waiting. But quietly waiting is another thing. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2 and verse 14, do all things without murmuring and disputing. Verse 39 continues in Lamentations Wherefore doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? You know what Jeremiah is saying here? Why in the world am I complaining? The only reason why anything's happening is because of my sin. The complaint is me. <laughs> the problem is me. The problem is sin, which mankind has chosen to have in our lives. And that's the reason why all this is happening. The complaint should not be to God. The waiting in silence is trusting God by faith. God, I'm not going to question you. I'm not going to question your ways. I'm going to believe that you're in it. I'm going to believe that you're in control. I'm going to believe that as you promised me, hope is found in you. You'll give me strength and it's new every day. And by the way, Christian, you say, how do I live each day with a hopelessness that I feel like in my life? How do I keep going each day, one day at a time? Because the mercies of God are new every morning. You begin one day at a time with an acknowledgement, recalling to your mind the person of God. And now in your pursuit of God, you're waiting, silently waiting. Thirdly, you're seeking God through endurance. Your endurance. You patiently wait in silence, but there is some enduring that needs to take place. Notice verse 27. 
It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Now I say to you first, that yoke, of course we, we ha have the illustration of that of, a, uh, of the yoke which is coming around a, a, a cow or, or a bull and, and, uh, and which it would be used to be pulling in that sense. So in other words, it's a burden. That yoke is what's coming from God. God allowed the burden. In Jeremiah's case, the burden is the judgment of God. So he says, it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Well, he speaks first concerning the youth. It, ultimately, it's good for the youth to be able to accept the consequences for their sins. He continues, he sitteth alone and keepeth silence, because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth to the dust, if so be there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to them that smiteth him. He is filled full with reproach. That hopeless situation is really with a, an examination back to ourself. But what is those remaining verses, verse 28 through 30, telling us? That when we have sinned before God, and sometimes the situation of life is as a direct result of a sin which we've committed, or simply just the, the generality of the fact that sin exists in this earth, and the only reason why there is sickness, the only reason why there is pain, the only reason why there are circumstances and burdens that I'm bearing is because of sin. Whatever the situation may be, the ultimate source of sin, we've acknowledged that. So what does Jeremiah say? That when you have sinned before God, verse 29 and verse 30, just turn your cheek, silently, patiently accept the full measure of whatever God sees fit to do. Accept it. Endure it. It's not just called live through it. No, you're living by faith. You're silently waiting on the Lord. You're trusting God by faith. You're looking at His person and all that He is. But you're enduring. The enduring part's not always the easy part. The enduring part is the most difficult part. If we're not careful, it's the enduring part that everything else that we talked about thus far is thrown out the window. Because I can't take this any longer. <laughs> I'm sick of this. I want this to stop. I don't need this in my life anymore. And this is what we want to just shake in the face of God in much of the sense. The Bible tells us, yet again, all this is simply a result of sin. So somebody says, well, how in the world can I find peace? You're telling me that all this is because of sin, that this person I love or this circumstance in life or these things that I'm going through is all because of sin, so that's not very encouraging. No, the encouragement is found in the hope of God. The mercies of God, which are new every morning. The faithfulness of God, which is consistent and continual in giving. And how is it consistent? And when is it given? Every single morning, day by day, trust in the Lord. You know what Satan loves to do? He loves to take even the things that God allows into our life and to discourage us. And he'll take that something, that circumstance in your life, and he'll try to let it define your entire life. Your attitude, your actions, your pursuit of God in its entirety. But God's intent from the very beginning was, a, was perfection. The goal for the Christian is a pursuit of perfection. And that pursuit of per perfection is found in obedience to God. So we've seen thus far of Jeremiah. What, what, does, what does he recall to his mind? Well, he recalls the person of God. There's hope in the person of God. He recalls his 
pursuit of God and how he is to pursue God. There's hope in the pursuit of God. Number three, his presentation of himself. His presentation of himself. Now before we look at the third point, I want to bring you to verse 31 because we find yet further promises uh, upon these things which Jeremiah is going through. Notice verse 31. For the Lord will not cast off forever. What that mean is, means is, is, is God's not just going to be done. There's still hope. Verse 33. For he doth not afflict willingly. I love that verse. Because the truth be told, God being the same yesterday, today, and forever, God being in control of all things, sometimes the very affliction that we feel, how could this ever be of God, is simply of God. And it's God bringing us through a journey in life that we would draw closer to Him. But God never brings the storm, the circumstance, the trial, the struggle of life, whatever it is that you're facing, He never brings it willingly. God does not sit and say, oh, I love doing this. No. It's through everything that we face in life that in turn we should be drawing closer to Him. Amen? Isn't that encouraging? That encourages me. The Bible tells us Jeremiah's presentation of himself. There is hope through the presentation of man. How are we to present ourselves before God? I already read verse 39, but as we look together again, Wherefore doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins, let us look at verse 40. Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. You see, Jeremiah knew that in order for the suffering of this nation to go away, they had to look to themselves, search their heart, and in return they had to turn to God. And he goes to describe that even further. Notice verse 41, a worthy verse of marking. Let us lift up our hearts with our hands unto God in the heavens. I don't know about you, but what I gain of a picture here is a giving of ourself to God. Not just our heart, but our hands also. God, here's my life. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. We present ourselves, what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. It is reasonable service because it's the most reasonable thing which we can do in the midst of our sin. We don't deserve it, but praise God that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And when we do come boldly, that we would present with our heart and our hands before God, God, here is my life. My life is yours. Essentially, this is what Jeremiah is saying, is my heart and the nation's heart is to be given to you in our pursuit, but yet also our hands are to be too. So our hands are an outproduct of what our heart condition is before God. My love relationship with God and my pursuit of God is being seen in my hands just the same because in presenting my heart, I'm using my hands. Christian, in presenting our lives, we use our hands. It's not just our heart. You may have given your life to God, but have you presented your hands to God? Are you working? For the Lord. We'll work till Jesus comes. You know, there's interesting verses where the Bible talks about our works and our relationship with God. The one that comes to my mind is found in James chapter 2. Let's turn there and we'll close with this verse. James 2, in verse 14 through 17. 
we're to present our lives before God as a living sacrifice. It's essentially our heart and our hands. James 2, verse 14. Word of God says, What doth it, what doth it profit, my brethren, when a man say he hath faith and not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Notice verse 17, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Works do not produce salvation. And all God's people said, Amen. If works produce salvation, we would be hopeless. <laughs> because our works will never amount to the glory of God. We'll always fall short. But the Bible tells us where there is faith, there is evidence of that faith in our works. We have a relationship with God, and because we have that relationship, now I'm using my hands, my feet, my works, because I love the Lord. You know, this was the problem with the children of Israel, is they had stopped giving their heart and their hands to God. Their life was no longer a sacrifice. I'd love to be used in the hands of God. Their life came, became all about them. And they, in return, lost all the blessing. If you still have your finger in Lamentations, I'm just going to quote to you a couple of verses, just the beginning. And I know I said I closed a second ago, but I just these verses come to mind. In chapter 1, in verse number 2, speaks concerning Israel. The Word of God says, She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers she hath none to comfort her. They lost all their comfort. In verse number 4 of the same chapter, the Bible says, The ways of Zion do mourn. Zion was the hill on which the temple was built. Their center of worship was gone. They had no place of, uh, of, of honorable worship. In fact, their worship wasn't all, only what was lost. But verse 8, the Bible says, Jerusalem hath grievously sinned. Therefore she has removed all that honored her, despised her. They lost a, an even a reputation of being known for God. This is a result of the sin. This is a result of their failure to give their heart and their hands to God. They lost the blessing. Some Christians want the blessing of the Christian life without doing any work. Understand what I mean by that? They want God to do a work in their life, but they're not doing anything for God themselves. What can you say of, and I, I'm asking this question for you to ask yourself, what could you say before God that I am doing in my work that is evidence of my faith to God? Part of the reason why God gives a church is that we can, uh, that our works can be seen before God and be used before God. But that's not the only place our works can be used. But what is it that you're doing that is evidence of your faith? <laughs> it's, it's in James that, that he writes, faith without works is dead. Do you even know the Lord if there are no works to show evidence of your faith in Christ? How are you truly alive in Christ, holding on to that lively hope? How are you truly holding on to the mercies of God which are new every morning if you're not faithful to Him yourself? 
Christian, the question is asked back to us. We know who the person of God is. We, 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 we know, essentially, what our pursuit of God should be and how we are to be obeying Him. But the question is, have we presented before God here and now? I'm not talking about when you were this age and you were at whatever camp or conference or revival or service or your parents or whatever and they led you to Christ and that day you gave your life to God. Well, that's wonderful. Praise the Lord for that. But, but today, do your works show evidence of your faith? Let's every head bowed and every eye closed. When all seems hopeless, the Bible tells us there's hope that's found in the person of God.